0: Section five of a change of air by Catherine Fullerton Gerald. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Section five. The rain had turned to a tepid drizzle when Rennert, later in the same day, arrived at Julie's studio. Mist lay on his overcoat like a fine mould. He entered after his three knocks, without waiting for Julie to answer. Once inside the studio, he heard her moving about in the next room and whistled a bar of La Ci Darem La Mano. Oh, Paul, all right, I'll be out soon. Her voice was preoccupied. Why didn't you build a fire? Too busy. And then silence. I'll build it then. But you invited me, if you remember. No answer came this time, and Renner, disposing of hat and coat, "'set to work on the fire. "'Shall I boil the kettle?' he asked finally. "'Julie's head was thrust up from behind the curtain. "'Oh, you said you wanted some coffee, didn't you? "'Well, then make it. "'I'll be out for some tea presently. "'Why did you make such a big fire? "'I'm going out this evening.' "'Paul Rennert whistled. not Mozart this time. "'Well, of all the nerve, you asked me to come.' "'You rather made a point of it. "'And I'm going out, too, this evening. "'Make a note of that, young lady.' "'Where?' "'The question cracked out like a shot. "'Paul looked at Julie's blonde head, "'all of her that had yet appeared. "'Where? "'Oh, I don't mind telling you. "'Aileen's Russian. "'Hans Breitman gift of "'Is that your engagement, too?' "'They didn't ask me. "'I wonder why.' Julie was invisible again in her bedroom. Rennert busied himself about the coffee things. Well, if you ask me, I think I know, but I'm not sure I shall tell you. All right, you can tell me presently. And silence fell. Obscure noises from within showed that Julie was really busy, though they were not more explicit than that. Rennert in the studio wrinkled his brows and stared hard at the little kettle on the hob. He was busy, too, in utter dumbness, wondering whether or not it would be good tactics to tell Julie what he knew, if she would only always be stupid or always clever. But she had bewildering alternations, not that he cared except for tactical reasons. For a year he had meant to have her to himself sometime. He could have had her long since if she had been either clever or stupid. The deuce of it was that she was always tacking, and of late he had probably been dancing a too constant attendance. He would cut and run if she held out too long. It was no part of his philosophy, and he had one a masterpiece of fluency, to want anything in vain. He managed his wants on the whole cleverly. Renard groaned slightly to himself. The fact was that he wanted her hard— that she had stirred his passion, that there was something in Julie Fort no other woman seemed at the moment to have. He couldn't substitute. He could only go. And, of course, he did not want to go. Julie came out into the studio at that moment. She had heard the groan and asked him at once what the matter was. "'The kettle won't boil, and I had expected to find coffee waiting. What have you been doing with yourself?' I haven't seen that rig since the days in New York, when you lived with Tootie Beauregard and used to work. The rig was a glorified pinafore of peacock blue, very faded, very spotted, and singularly becoming to the girl's blonde irregularity of type. Its long, simple sweep of line and colour seemed to smooth out her overtraced and over fretted features. Julie was always better without complications of millinery. "'I've been doing things,' she answered vaguely. (sighs) "'Humph! The coffee's ready now. If you want tea, I'll boil the kettle again. "'Yes, please.' She pursed her lips and seemed preoccupied, then took a cigarette and crossed her knees negligently, breathing out her preoccupation with the cigarette smoke. "'Why wasn't I asked to the party?' Petrolov thinks you're a bad example to Aileen.' "'Somewhere in the interval he had decided to tell her. "'I? To Aline? The little rotter. "'Do explain to me, Paul, and I think you might have stayed away yourself, in that case, "'if Petrolov is giving out his disgusting opinions. "'I was going to consult you. At least I think I was. "'The aroma of the coffee spread itself domestically between them, and both unconsciously relaxed into more comfortable attitudes. Anyhow, of course I won't go if you'd rather not. I had half an idea it might amuse you to hear about it afterwards. They've got a little rip of a Hungarian gypsy, sweepings, my dear, a little devil off the dust heap, coming in to dance afterwards, and with that kind of crowd she's sure to be one of them before they break up. I think you're well out of it. She shouldn't drink champagne out of my glass. Petrolov's blowing himself, you see. Aileen wanted you, by the way, and so did some of the rest of the bunch. Wanted you to draw the gypsy. Damn her with your precious paw. But the Slav wouldn't stand for it. Miss Chadwick will have to do her conscientious best. Do you mean to say that Miss Chadwick is going? She's a serious woman, my dear. You're not. But if Miss Chadwick can stand the gypsy creature, you are dull, Julie, Rennert sighed. Don't you see? Miss Chadwick is nothing but a pair of bifocals and a gift for taking life visually. She not only doesn't believe in the fourth dimension, she doesn't even believe in the third. Thickness is merely something she can suggest with a brush. People haven't really got it, you know. But nobody could say you were impersonal, Julie, could they now? Reynard had his voice well under control, but it seemed to him that stark hunger must be audible in his modulations. What is the matter with me? reiterated Julie. She seemed to have forgotten her original preoccupation. She was really interested in the prohibition of Aileen's lover. You're a puritanic idler. But Miss Chadwick... Keeps more of the Ten Commandments than you do, but she works. Is he afraid I'll induce Aileen to be frivolous? Can't you take both ends of it? The point is that you neither work nor play, so you don't get admitted at either gate. This crowd doesn't approve. They might let a slacker like you in for her charm, but when you proceed to be shocked, it's too much. Have I ever proceeded to be shocked? Not verbally, oh, no, but you persist in taking a different line. It's the old rhyme. What are you good for, anyway, not fit to eat and wouldn't play? And as your wealth is dazzling, you just might produce an effect. Miss Chadwick, of course, couldn't produce any. Don't bother your head about it. You're worth the whole boiling... "'though, of course, you can't keep it up forever. "'Have some more tea?' "'Thanks.' "'Julie drank the entire cup before either spoke again. "'What was the thing you wanted to talk to me about?' "'Rennert asked when she had set her cup down. "'Forget about the party. "'I don't think I shall go myself. "'Too darned dull.' "'Something very important, wasn't it?' "'She behaved for a moment as if she had forgotten.' but she got up and walked to the window, then walked back, showing by her nervousness that she had by no means forgotten. He did not answer her. He leaned back in his armchair, his eyes kindling faintly in the twilight. Julie came finally and stood before him, her hands on her hips. "'I can't stand the weather, so I am taking your advice. I'm leaving tonight.' "'Oh!' Every muscle in Renard's body urged him to move to rise but he sat perfectly still defying his muscles 8 o'clock from the gare de lyon riviera express are you coming to see me off paul renard did not rise though the effort not to brought little drops of sweat to his forehead beneath his smooth dark hair oh i think not he said lightly "'There'll be a hundred porters for that train. "'If you're really leaving me, I'd better go to the party, hadn't I? "'If you prefer it.' "'Prefer it? I say, Julie, you're not human. "'You go off, and quite right, to sit in an orange grove "'and look at the Mediterranean, "'and you want to accent your good luck by watching me, "'shivering and forsaken, in that beastly station "'while your gorgeous train pulls out.' "'Haven't you a drop of human kindness? If you had, you'd want me to be quite drunk by 7 p.m. I don't blame you for going, but I don't see why you should have such a medieval taste for rubbing it in. I don't know whether I shall go to the party or not, but I do know that with you tucked up in the train deluxe I shall do what I damn please, and you ought to be willing.' Julie did not retort. She simply stared at him questioningly, gravely, a little sadly. "'You wouldn't think of joining me?' she asked at last. "'You jolly well know.' His voice had escaped control. It had a frankly nervous edge. "'I'd go like a shot if I had the money. If it were the first of the month I'd go anyhow and starve until quarter-day. But it's late in the quarter, and meanwhile I've been existing.' You ask questions like a debutante. I have money. That has nothing to do with it. I'm not your Pomeranian. Julie ignored this. I even have two tickets. Paul Rennert got up at last with one clean spring. What are you talking about, Julie? His voice was still low. Well, we couldn't go to Moudon, could we? And if I couldn't stand the weather, how could you? Renard's eyes glittered above her, but he did not touch her. You know a long sight more about human beings than you let on, Julie. How can I go off with you on your money? She turned a little of his own careful scorn upon him. If I had known you were back there, Paul, I wouldn't have mentioned it. And, as a matter of fact, it's the only way I'd let you go. Everyone knows I've no money now for a lark. "'You'd be compromised. "'One's always compromised in such a case. "'What has the money to do with it?' "'Oh, I might go for a lark. "'If I had the cash, people might be brought to see that. "'But if you take me, there's only one interpretation.' "'Interpretations don't matter, only facts.' "'Her voice was very listless as she gazed into the fire.' But apparently you still refuse to face them. His voice vibrated significantly in her ear, but he did not touch her, though his hands were clenched. How you talk! How you talk, Paul! When I go the limit, I go it, see? I don't have to name a fact a hundred times in order to face it. Her voice, no longer listless, rose in feverish excitement. He clasped her then, concentrated in his passion as he had been in his self-control. Finally, she shook herself free of his embrace. "'You'll have to go and pack, and I must finish. Come back here. We'll get some dinner in the station.' And trembling a little visibly, she disappeared into her bedroom. Paul Rennert walked the floor of the studio with stealthy, cat-like steps for full five minutes— Then he shouted at Julie's door. Julie, come out, for God's sake. I've got something to say to you. If you talk any more, I shall change my mind. I can't stand it, I tell you. I don't want to discuss this thing. If you weren't a fool, you'd see it. But she appeared flushed and nervous in the doorway. He faced her across the big room. "'Take my advice, Kitty. Stay here and finish the Rue de la Paix series. "'Then we'll talk. I can get back some money on those tickets for you.' But Julie Fort, since Paul Rennert had kissed her, was a changed being. The formula, once arid philosophy, had become a glowing gospel. She could hardly wait to reach her orange grove above the blue sea. "'You will be late, and if you are, I swear I'll go alone.' Her voice was jubilant. Paul Rennert clattered in haste down the long stairs into the street. If worse came to worst, he muttered, I suppose I could marry her, but that would be the end of all things. Oh, well, here goes. He shook off the clammy thought and plunged, flushed and content again, out into the lamp-lit street. End of Section 5